Hello and welcome to episode three of Decoding Cannabis, the podcast in which we're trying to solve the mystery behind the magical properties of marijuana. I'm your host, Ayers Batat, founder of Consciousness Research Institute in Spokane, Washington. This podcast has been brewing for quite a while. Last year, long before it was launched, I interviewed a man named Junai. Junai used cannabis to successfully heal his cancer. I wanted to hear firsthand how he managed to do it. And today I bring you this interview. Now, at the time this interview took place, the planned name for this podcast was Consciously High. I just don't want you to get confused when you hear me announce it. Enjoy. Welcome to Consciously High, the podcast about marijuana, where we explore cannabis as a catalyst for transformation. And today I have a special guest, Junai. Junai is a pharmacist who has um, taken a career break, I think I'm saying it right, uh, due to cancer and some other uh, personal things. And Junai has managed to heal his cancer completely, if I'm not mistaken, using cannabis. So, Janai, welcome to Consciously High. Thank you, Erez. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, you too. It's great to see you. You know, I kind of know you through the woodworks, uh, through the, the the grapevine. I don't know. What's the difference between the woodworks and the grapevine, you know? Well, the grapevine sounds nicer in the context of a living plant and what it can offer. <laughs> right. I think I'm butchering a phrase when I'm saying woodwork, right? It's like... It's, no. It's, yes. No, I think like, things come through the woodwork. I don't know. But grapevine sounds better. Okay. But yeah. through various communities in the Bay Area. Yeah, it's great to be connected now, today. Yeah, yeah. Where are you from? You look... Um, so I'll describe you to our listeners. Um, your hair is very curly, uh, black, right? And uh, you seem, I mean, you have an American accent, but you seem like you have some kind of a different culture in you. A little bit of mix, a little bit of um, uh, Greek, some Irish, Italian, and some uh, Bavarian. Okay. Bavarian. Where's that from? You're somewhere in Europe. Somewhere in the long ago past of Europe. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it's great to see you and welcome to this podcast. And um, yeah, tell me a little bit about, so first of all, was the introduction sufficient? Um, Is there anything you would like to add? I studied pharmacology at uh, UC Santa Barbara, a little bit uh, um, at Sandoz in Basel, Switzerland, and then did the uh, doctor pharmacy program at UCSF. Had a chance to do some great internships you know, with the Poison Center and um, with um, Haight-Ashbury um, Drug Detox, and then just became a, you know, straight-up pharmacist uh, for about 20 years. You know, Walgreens, Walmart type of thing? I mean, where'd you work? Some of that, some of that. I worked in some compounding labs where we would custom-make medicine that was not available uh, through the large pharmaceuticals, yeah. so the medicines that would be FDA approved, but we would make them in different dosage forms or uh, for doses that would be appropriate for certain populations. Maybe an aging population or children would want something different. Maybe they couldn't handle the taste, so we would add some bitter chocolate. Just solving problems that, that, weren't, that weren't available to, to everyone. So that was a great uh, experience and 
pushing the limits of legal pharmacology to help patients. Oh, wow. Interesting um, choice of words, pushing the limits of legal pharm pharmacology. So you had you sort of bridged these, this, this um, you know, a million people come in throughout the day, you give them some kind of medicine to, oh, there's a personalized type of relationship here. There's an actual person with a problem that I'm working to solve. And um, sounds like it's prepped you for what was about to come. Sure, certainly, certainly was, and uh, there, I appreciated the challenge of that environment. I, I'm a people person, so when these hundreds of people would come in, I mean, that was the joy that got me through the day was taking a moment, that one minute, to explain the highlights of how to use something safely and effectively, when to call back the doc, when to, when to do this or that, or helping, you know, a new dad come in and find the only cough medicine on the shelf, even though there's 10 cough medicines on the shelf. There's actually only one. It's just right. marketed differently. So right. helping that nervous dad find the one, just, you know, that was that was the joy of, of working in that environment. But, uh, but in other ways, you know, it's kind of burn and churn medicine as our, our whole medical system has become a very, um, you know, cookbook, high-paced, and that no one, no one likes it. I mean, patients don't like it. Doctors don't like it. Insurance billers don't like it. No one likes our system, but somehow that's what we've got. Yeah. So uh, everyone finds every, every person involved in it has to find their, what it is that keeps them there. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of didn't want to go there to the whole political thing because I have my <laughs> own thoughts about, you know, medication and, um, so I'm just going to vent on one thing and then we're going to shift because, you know, it's going to bum me out to talk about politics. Right. Uh, you know, cause it all relates, but, um, you know, I've, I've, I had asthma since I was a kid and I'm using an inhaler called Ventolin and, you know, oh my God, it's like, you know, I've been using it since I was a kid. Now, if, if you give me, um, if you give me the, uh, whatever, not brand name, whatever you call it, the generic, you know, some kind of, uh, some kind of a different albuterol you know, uh, inhaler, it doesn't work. There's something about the fact that it has to be blue and it has to be that size and it has to be, it has to be, it has to feel like, I mean, it has to taste like a Ventolin for me mm -hmm. to actually have the effect. So obviously a psycho, you know, a psychosomatic impact. But what bugs me about it is that after so many years, I've been using this thing since I was a kid, um, mm -hmm. I'm still paying as if it's a new drug. They changed something in the counting mechanism of the, you know, the, 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 the actual case and, right. uh, you know, just to redefine it as a brand new medicine. Oh, yes. And, you know, it's just that, you know, there's this um, bad taste, so to speak, every time you buy it, because it's like, you you know, you're you're being cheated. And right. There, there, it was $20 30 years ago. Yeah. And why hasn't, why isn't it cheaper now? You know, the patents run out. Why is it every few years? Well, the first time they did it was uh, they changed the CFCs, the propellant in it. Uh-huh. Um, to something else, which, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't want C CFCs. They harm the environment. Why would you want them in your body? It makes sense. But but why renew the patent so that they could charge an astronomical amount? Yeah. Just, you know, but, make them change it. But why renew the patent? They, they didn't go through the, the discovery process, the clinical trials. Why, did, why would they get the financial benefit from making a, a change they should make anyway? Exactly. It, frustrating. And then you're right. And then adding the counter... Um, and unfortunately, you know, I, we could go on, I can tell you, tell you even, even more stories. The, the pet peeve I have that's similar to the one you're talking about is where they'll take a racemic, you know, so what you're using in the Ventolin is albuterol. Mm -hmm. 
chemically, albuterol will be a racemic mixture of, of call them left and right-handed drugs, just the way they, way they come out. They both work. Maybe the left-handed one works a little bit better than the right-handed one, but it just it works together. So what, what, um, what they did next with uh, the Ventolin going to albuterol is they patented the left-handed albuterol, Levo albuterol, got a whole new patent, even though it's just a fraction, a fraction better at opening the lungs up to breathe. Wow. So, you know, you may, the directions on the drug are, you know, one to two puffs every four to six hours as needed, right? That's a huge variability. One to two, that's a hundred percent difference. Yeah. Every four to six, that's another. So you're talking about a huge variability in how it can be used safely, but they got a patent on it working just a, a smidge better. Right. It's, 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 it's fantasy that they allowed that to happen. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all about money. You know, I, most people got into healthcare, like, Oh, if we get into healthcare, we'll be free from all this, you know, this corporate, you know, BS and competition and yeah. just, you know, money, money, but it's all there. It's all there bigger than, than most of us could have imagined. It's unbelievable, really. And, um, you know, uh, you, you said something I just have to ask because it relates to my work in the world. What's the difference between left, left hand drugs and right hand drugs? What's what defines a drug as? Uh, I think you, you, you know, well, you have to just look it up in a basic chem book. I, I don't have it on the top of my head, but it, these things, um, the way they rotate, uh, I don't know if that had, there was a funny noise there from on. The way these drugs rotate in a in polarized light will be left or left or right. How they how they set up. I mean, they're still going to hit the molecule just about. They're going to hit the receptor just about the same. But they'll just energetically, you know, in terms of like the whole magnetics, how they how they bump in and hug that receptor and how it opens up and does what it's supposed to do. Uh huh. Uh, it's just a you know, there's a little bit different effect. Okay, so I want to jump into marijuana for a second. Do you, just before we go into the topic of cancer, uh, did I say tropic of cancer or topic of cancer? Yeah, never really managed to read the whole book. It's too intense. It's like, it's so, uh, you know, it's, so, it's like uh, essential oil. Like, there's just too much, right? So you read a little bit, then you come back to it after a few years. But anyway... Um, do you see any correlation between the left-hand drugs and right-hand drugs and uh, the way marijuana is polarized as a plant? Um, and I'm kind of jumping ahead maybe, but I'm just, I'm just kind of I planting a seed. I suspect we would if we looked. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You see my point? Yeah. Sure. Anyway. Sure. So, and that will probably be a, you know, a big deal in how, how pharmaceutical companies you know, extract what they extract and patent what they do. I mean, they have this this pattern, this way of doing things, and they're going to do it with marijuana, you know, for better force. Right, right. Okay, so let's let's dive into the topic at hand because um, we have a great opportunity here, uh, me and the listeners, to listen to someone who obviously knows a lot about drugs and um, has had a lot of experience with administrating, um, how do you say, play with play with amounts and uh, uh, do various things in order to allow yourself, uh, to allow somebody to be, to, to be healthier. Uh, l let's start from the beginning. When did you get diagnosed? Uh, January last year. Okay. So it's fairly fresh, like just mm -hmm. about a year plus. 
Yes. Okay. And and so what, what, what did it come as a surprise? Did you have it run in? Like you had a uh, cancer in the top of your mouth. Is that correct? Right. Well, it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is really um, um, an immune system cancer. Uh, but it presented on the roof of my mouth, which was a little atypical. But um, it wasn't. So the tumor which presented itself was there. So I could play with with it with my tongue. And it actually, I discovered it when my dentist made me a... Um, a night guard. I was biting my teeth. He had just done some great work for me. And he said, I'm not going to be your dentist unless you wear this night guard. So I said, okay, he's a great dentist. Wow. Uh, he, he had uh, beautiful music playing and, um, his, he was the transcendentist in Berkeley. Amazing, uh-huh. amazing guy. I, ha- I avoided dentists for a long time, but this guy was incredible. Okay. So I, I took his advice. I got the thing. When I got it, uh, I, I put it in and right after I started using it, I noticed a bump and I, I called him back and said, Hey, I, does this ever happen to people? Is it inflammation? What could it be? And he said, uh, no, you need to get that checked out right away. So I did. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of tense. The, the, I went to a doctor of medical dentistry who, uh, took a sample and, you know, did some scans and, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, he was trying not to use the C word. He was trying not to say cancer. He said, oh, it could be this, could be that. You know, I don't know, my just, he, but he was hiding it, I could tell. So wow. I was spooked right away. And he made me wait a couple of weeks so we got the lab test results back. But uh, I immediately went to um, uh, Constance Therapeutics, um, uh, a, can- a company that specifically makes um, uh, very, very regulated. Um, I, I'm not doing the description justice, but I, I had researched this company for a patient a couple years earlier. So I had them in the back of my mind. If I ever had cancer, that's what I was going to do. So I called them up right away and got, got that uh, process started. And this company, do they do it with marijuana or what's, what's the... They do. They do uh, whole flower extracts. They use all organic uh, alcohol and... Um, you know, they have a mixture of CBD and THC that they like. They have a protocol that they like. They're working it out. They're doing studies. I think they're a good company using the whole plant, which, you know, I'm interested in. I I have great reverence for plants and the, the magic and mystery that's in them. I still love science and want it all worked out, but, yeah. uh, but I like the way they did it. And of course, most of, of you know, in, with with respect to the treatment of cancer, you know, most of the folklore comes from Rick Simpson and how he put things together. So they, they were based on some of his things and I had seen some of his videos and heard about that. So, so that was the way I wanted to go. Tell me about Rick Simpson. Well, uh, best to find him on the line. He's a legend. Find him online. He's a legend, uh, who treated himself, uh, with, with this, um, whole, you know, whole extract of the cannabis bud. It's, um, and he treated, um, his own melanoma, like externally. Wow. Just rubbed it. Right. Right. And, um, he began, uh, to treat, to treat other friends in Canada, people who would just come to him. And he did it for many years before they finally, finally shut him down. Even though he wasn't selling it for profit, he wasn't really advertising Mm. it as a miracle cure. He was just giving it away. I mean, really philanthropic guy. I think he's traveling the world now. I don't think he lives in Canada anymore, but, um, but there's good information. Um, basically he wanted people to have a, 
um, a sativa strain. He wanted uh, more than 20% uh, THC, and he wanted people to make it themselves and treat themselves. Um, and it was very, very empowering. He did use some strange solvents uh, from my perspective, and uh, I was a little hesitant to use those. I'm much more interested in just pure organic alcohol myself. What, um, what do you mean when you say solvents? I mean, I'm clueless about chemistry, yeah. so... Yeah. Well, he would take the fresh buds. He would usually take advise people to take like a, a pound of fresh bud, which would get you about 60 grams of the um, essential oil, the flour. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just mash up the dried buds, uh, macerate them into a solvent like uh, naphthene or naphthalene or, you know, methanol or all these crazy things. Don't use this <laughs> you know, if there's a listener. Right, like, like chemicals. Yes. Don't, yeah. Now, mostly those would evaporate off at the end and be gone. So it really, you know, wouldn't affect people as much as if they were using them, you know, it, you know, working in that environment. But you would want to do it outside. I mean, they're flammable, they're toxic. So you let them let them eventually boil off. Uh, and then you'd just be left with this this flower essence extract. Um, and, ho and hopefully not more than a trace of those chemicals in your body. And of course, yeah. the benefit he, you know, would be much worse than the cost. Is that was his, his rationale. Right, right. But you know, we all alcohol is, you know, body knows how to deal with alcohol. So I feel much more comfortable with that. Okay, and that works just the same. But it sounds like you didn't make it yourself. You went to that company. Well, it's interesting. I wasn't so as straightforward. My experience with cannabis was not as straightforward as I would have liked. Um, I did go to the company and I got, I first, I just purchased a starter dose and I had to get a cannabis card. And, uh, because you because live, you live in California, right? I live in California okay. and, um, I had stopped working as a pharmacist. Um, because of the cancer, just to yeah. kind of give yourself all the and time because, in the world. Yeah. Right. So this was a huge thing for me. Uh, what would be the risk to my license that I spent my youth and six figures to get? You know, what what would be the use of the cost of using a Schedule One drug? Of course, federally, so, yes. Yeah, financially and, and personally. And uh, so, so it was kind of a, I mean, that was a big deal for me to weigh. But of course, I'm looking at cancer in my life. And so what personal identity do I want to save or do I want to save my skin? Yeah. You know, it was, it was an interesting calculus for me. Um, so I did it as, as legal as appropriate in California. I mean, I'm, I'm not working in a pharmacy, so what's the problem? And I got the cannabis card so that it would be legal, even though I think at that time, you know, in since the late 90s in California, medical marijuana has been legal. Um, but... Mm -hmm. There's a strange relationship between uh, federal law and state law. Yeah. And it's, so for pharmacists, the, the, the more stringent law applies, whatever it is. So, so it was difficult for me. So I'd take off the white coat in my, you know, as part of my persona and kind of a pharmacist heal thyself situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and decide how I was going to do it. Um, you know, I, I like the pharmacology of it. There's tons and tons of research from all over the world, not so much in the United States because it's Schedule One, and that is really the tragedy. You know, until Congress gets it together and repeals the Controlled Substance Act or, or changes it, you know, we won't be able to allow 
the brains and the best of our medical system in the United States to get to work and figure this out. They kind of have their hands tied behind their back. I got a, a number of stories I can tell you about later in the interview with other other friends, you know, and sympathetic physicians who just don't want to do it, don't can't have anything to do with it. It's their funding depends on federal funds, so they can't right. can't even let their minds go there, let alone research it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was, suddenly became much more personal. <laughs> yeah. So I had had recommended uh, cannabis for many patients who were failing treatment in a number of areas, most notably pain. Um, and, you know, pharmacists all know we dispensed uh, Marinol or Dronobinol is a, you know, a compound that's used for nausea with chemotherapy, helps um, appetite, when, you know, helps people keep on weight when they're wasting with AIDS. So, you know, it's, it's known in the, in the regular medical community how valuable, um, you know, this type of drug, cannabinoids, can be. And there are, there are um, FDA-approved medicines that are synthetic versions of, of, you know, the chemicals in marijuana. Now, of course, marijuana or cannabis, you know, there's over 500 chemicals in there that do interesting things. There's over 100 types of, you know, THC and CBDs in there. I mean, it is a gold mine of chemicals mm-hmm. to research to help you. Um, but the, the point of this thread that we started talking is that we can't get to it in the United States. So a lot of this research comes from, you know, thankfully Israel or Pakistan or just, I mean, all over. People are, are, are getting into it. So you kind of have to dig for it. Um, many of, much of the really hardcore science, like about the, you know, these proteins like the P53 guardian of the, you know, the genome for, um, you know, some of these things, uh, that, that affects ceramide, which works in the mitochondria and just tears it up and causes this apoptosis, causes cancer cells to die on their own when mm-hmm. they're exposed. To this. And, and only cancer cells, right? Right. Yeah. That's the beauty. It's targeted to cancer cells. So it's, you know, it provides a level of safety that, the anti-cancer drugs we've been using for 50 years just don't even compare with. I mean, they are what we use now is dangerous. Right. Like in in that light, it's just like illogical. It's almost a crime that it's illegal to research. Um, Interesting. I have to agree with you. I have to agree with you, Ernest. Yeah. So, so, okay, let's go back. So here you are. I I just want to spend a little more time on that moment of realization I have cancer. And then you sort of haphazardly said, oh yeah. And I immediately went to that company, but it sounds like there was definitely a debate. Um, You know, there was almost like an identity crisis. What's going on here? Who am I? Like, what do I do? Right. I mean, how do I deal with this? So even after I I went and got the the starter, starter kit from, um, from that particular company, Came home, started, went, you know, I was lining up my oncologists, you know, I have to have a local oncologist. I also wanted one at UCSF, you know, my alma mater. And uh, and then there were going to be other kinds of doctors, you know, shadowing along or radio oncologists, all these people. So I'm setting all this up. I go to my local oncologist, found one who I remembered was pretty smart. There were some I didn't like, you know, just in the community from having worked with over the years, having to help them with their doses. I mean, this sounds irreverent, but it, the fact is... Some doctors are better than others. Absolutely. So I waited. I found one who I who I had respected. Didn't have the best bedside manner, but she was she was pretty damn smart. And I went in and talked to her, and she was one hundred percent dead set against cannabis. 
Really? She just said, I will not treat you if you use marijuana. Wow. Wow. So not only you were presented with your own little, uh, you know, who am I, you know, yeah, as a pharmacist. Right. So that's phase two of the, of the whole equation for yeah. me. Like, wow, I found a good doc and she doesn't want to, doesn't want me to do this. Yeah. And I was also, uh, you know, there were other things I was doing besides cannabis. Um, I, certain, certain mushrooms um, can be helpful and some other, you know, I started doing intermittent fasting, a few other things to just give me an edge. Uh, and she just wanted me to stop everything. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. She wanted to repeat the autopsy. Or, oh, God, thank fortunately she didn't have to do an autopsy, but uh, the biopsy. <laughs> the biopsy, right? yeah. She didn't like the one the, the way the dentist did it. So she wanted to do her own. This is just, you know, turf war stuff. So yeah. She wanted to repeat yeah. that. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll wait till may, maybe, maybe I'm over overdoing this whole thing. Maybe the dentist made a mistake. Maybe, you know, we'll just do it again. So it took a few months to get a second. Um, and in the meanwhile, uh, you're doing nothing. You're just waiting. In the meantime, I put the cannabis on hold and I kept doing, and I put the mushrooms on hold and I just did some fasting. And, um, and then after the biopsy, uh, confirmed it, she still didn't want me to do it. And she was having trouble billing. And so she kind of like put me on hold for a month or two. And this whole thing was really exasperating for me. Like, hey, I have cancer. It's been months now. It's my life, woman. Yeah. Yeah. Just just had a little bit of anger. And I did something that um, that might be of interest to some of your uh, some of your group. There's a, a great ingredient in carrots, phylcarinol, that. Uh, that hits cannabinoid receptors. And so it was kind of a backdoor to the endocannabinoid system. So I was doing lots of carrots. Like, so, so what do you mean when you say hits? What do you mean? Like uh, stimulates so it, them, opens them? Yeah, with... it stimulates. What's it's, called? it's called an inverse agonist. The, the pharmacology is, is pretty complicated, but, um, but suffice to say it had a had a similar effect. There's a ingredient in carrots that has a similar effect um, with respect to cancer. Okay. So I did tons of carrot juice, and uh, I was completely orange. And people thought I was really. Making, so that's not a myth. Thought I was doing a a, a, a political statement. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, about uh, you know, you could get uh, I could get a a 2.2 kilogram bag of carrots down at Whole Foods and just do the whole bag a day. And I did that for a couple months. And, you know, I couldn't be sure because I'd had, you know, two biopsies. So the tumor was a lot smaller uh, just from them ripping it out. But of course, non-Hodgkin's lymphomas throughout, it's in the immune system, it's throughout the body. So but the the tumor was my kind of uh, touchstone to how how it was doing. It was it was your contact point. Right. Yeah. Literally on the tip of my tongue. So (laughs) how's it doing today? And, um, yeah, I'm not, not a, I don't, you know, I do enjoy bourbon from time to time. Right. Mm -hmm. Me too. And I noticed that a couple, a couple of, a couple of drinks, the tumor would swell up. No, really? Yeah. It just freaked me out. So I stopped drinking, of course. Okay. Um, and then I was doing the carrot juice and I, th- I wondered if it was going down. I thought, well, I'll just give it a try. And I had some bourbon and it didn't have the same effect. So I didn't go back to bourbon, but I did do that test and it yeah. was interesting. Yeah. So I think that there, there is something to that falcarinol and that could be the, you know, the whole, maybe the whole, 
uh, mechanism behind how people talk about ju juicing for cancer and that kind of thing. I mean, that could be one of the one of the things, you know, having an alkaline body and just having lots of nutrients to power charge your body to fight. Yeah. You, know, you give your immune system all those mineral cofactors to get things done. So there's something to that, but uh, but I it wasn't going away. It just it had made it bourbon proof with the carrots. But it <laughs> made it bourbon proof. I love it. <laughs> So, and I was tired of being orange. So, so I let the carrots go, let the bourbon go, kept doing intermittent fasting and was still, you know, I eventually I just let that doctor go. She, I finally saw her again. She was still dead set against cannabis and I just, I just had to let her go. So, so what did the doctor represent in your psychology? Because here you are, you immediately instinctively and intuitively went to cannabis Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sort of backed out when she told you, I'm not going to treat you. And, right. you know, and yet there was something inside of you that was like, what the fuck? You know, like time, you know, time's ticking. I need to do something about this. I mean, it's not like you're, um, uh, did you have your own feeling about marijuana? Do you, you obviously had doubts that you allowed uh, this doctor, her opinion right. to I sort of sway. To her yeah. It's true. And um, I think part of it, of course, you know, can cancer is, is very frightening and it is very complicated. So I, you know, I maybe part of just my training of working with physicians and knowing that I don't know everything. I know farm, a good bit about pharmacology, but I don't know all the details. So I was willing to defer um, or at least postpone a little bit. Uh, and I, you know, I, you know, it's hard to know what the right decision was. This is the, this is the uh, excitement of life. It's our life to live. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I listened to her for a while, did a second biopsy and, um, and eventually, uh, I did go, she had recommended, um, uh, also, uh, chemo, you know, a certain type of chemo. It's a very light, lighter form of chemo and some radiation. And I went to the radio oncologist and he looked at it and he couldn't really get a good shot. Uh, where it was in my mouth, it would affect my beard, maybe my teeth, uh, Ooh, oh, wow. bounce around, maybe rack my brain a little bit. And then nothing sounded that good. And the fact is the, the quote, the quote unquote disease burden wasn't so bad. I mean, I could still eat and swallow. So it's really just like having a half a grape in my mouth. It's not, not a big deal in terms of my day to day functioning. Was it painful? No, the tumor wasn't painful. Just, just odd. Just odd, but the effects on my the rest of my my body, which I, I hadn't really thought about. I mean, I was also experiencing fatigue and night sweats and these kinds of things, which would come and go. Uh, but I had never really placed them with cancer. I'd probably had this cancer for a long time and not really known about it. Right, and you know, you just have a general feeling that you're dancing in a in in a in a minefield, right? I mean, you're here. You are. You're. It's just, I mean, you, you never know. Every day you're checking it with the tip of your tongue, like you say. So you never really know right. what's what's happening, right? Yeah, you yeah, it summed it up. Is it, it's just a, a that diagnosis in our culture, especially. It's uh, it really gets the uh, the wheels in the mind turning. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Hopefully, a state of consciousness I'm never going to have to deal with, but. Um, it sounds like you were. So, how many months were we talking about now? You were diagnosed in January of 2017. Yes, probably six months. Probably so six, six months. months. The process we described, yeah. And then you're like, "Screw this! I'm going to cannabis." Right. Well, I started to to research it much more, much more. There was a oncologist at Stanford 
who I'd heard through the grapevine used cannabis with a lot of his patients, and he agreed to see me. And I met him at his house, really a wonderful guy. Uh, and he was on the side making cannabis products. I don't want to out him, but yeah. uh, he was really enjoying the process of learning about it, making these products, everything from you know, soaps to all, all kinds of things. He, wow. was, he is now a believer. <laughs> like He didn't want people to treat their cancer with it alone, but he certainly uh, was an advocate for using it um, you know, as an adjunctive medicine. And, uh, and he was really enjoying it himself. And I went to his house <laughs> and he just, he just spelled out, you know, the whole thing, how do you, how to vaporize, how to, how to do, you know, dab, do all these kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'd love to tell you about, cause I know some of your interests is, um, he had done some research into, uh, what's called chrism in many, many, uh, I guess, Christian variant religions. It's a holy anointing oil. And it comes from, you know, what they refer to as Old Testament scripture, right? It's just an old oil. Among the ingredients are, you know, I forget what all the ingredients are, but, you know, cinnamon is, is one of the main ingredients. And what they thought cannabosum was, was um, balsam oil. But, uh, you know, he looked into the etymology of the word cannabosum. Yeah. And just, it was obvious to him, it was cannabis. Interesting. Um, there's a book, I read that. Um, there's a book I read that, well, I don't want to out him. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to say the name of the book and the name of the yeah. author in case he wrote a book about cannabis, yeah. but, um, I, I read that somewhere else. So, so very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so he, he gave me some of this anointing oil that he made with, um, uh, cinnamon and cannabis. And I don't know if you can. I'm showing this to you on the camera. I don't know if you can see it. I don't. I can. I see a little black bottle with a, a really cool label that looks like, uh, you know, very different than a regular medicine label, kind of colorful. Right. So they look. It looks like Hebrew letters, and I don't. I don't um, read that, so I don't know. But I think it was chrism, is what he told me it was. Interesting. So I, I began in this in this period after about six months of not wanting to wait and still not yet being set up with the UCSF oncologist, um, or not having a treatment plan with her yet. She was going to watch and wait for a while. I began to use this, uh, anointing oil that this Stanford oncologist had made in his spare time. And I would put it right on the tumor and, uh, very strong, very super, uh, cinnamony. And, um, and I think, you know, I kind of was just intuitively feeling like this is really helping. Really? Uh, just I a general feeling. Probably it was helping my whole demeanor, you know, in a number of ways from just from uh, aches and pains and uh, and mood and other things. Uh, but but it's but I, I just I had a feeling and that just sparked me again. OK, I think I'm on the right track. I should get get back to this cannabis thing. OK, hold on. So so pause for a second. What were the effects of putting? So what, do you know if it was THC or CBD? Uh, no, it was, you know, he didn't label it. He didn't characterize it. Uh, so I don't really know. And if it was, you also don't know, know if it was sativa or indica. You don't, indica, no, you don't know the, the strain, you don't, but you just know. So did it make you high? Like were you mentally high too? Or were you just feeling it in the body? Was it just a body high? What's the, what was the effect? I would just use a couple drops. I did feel a body high. Okay. And, and I did, I felt pleasant. 
Okay, but not so, a you know, mental uh, high. All like... that dope, so it's hard to say. I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't a laugh out loud experience. I wasn't having a uh, green caterpillar talking experience. Right, uh, right. But uh, just just felt pleasant. Did you feel like it was psychoactive or just like uh, bodily, like make makes you calm in the body type of thing? I suspect if I had taken more, yeah, it would have been. I think at this point, using his thing, I was kind of microdosing. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, if you could call it that. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was a, a good first experience with 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 mm-hmm. Ken. And you know, just to take a step back before January two thousand seventeen, when you were diagnosed, mm-hmm. uh, were you using marijuana in any way, shape, or form? No, I hadn't. I think I'd tried it a couple of times in high school, a couple of times in college, but then had, had let it go for professional reasons. And I, you know, I had uh, for many years associated myself with spiritual teachings that um, had a strong caution against psychoactive substances. Okay. So I don't hold those beliefs anymore, but for many years I even though I was fascinated with the pharmacology of, of, of psychoactive plants used in shamanism, I just, I just assumed they weren't for me. Right. Uh, because I was on a quote unquote spiritual path. I, you know, it was right. just young, misguided. I started studying religious studies, uh, in college before I switched to pharmacology <laughs> uh. and I studied them enough to know that I didn't want to spend a life comparing religions one to the other. I was interested in mystical experience. So I left that. Okay. Uh, now I, I know enough for you know cocktail conversations. I'm not a comparative religion expert, but, um, but uh, yeah, how we find meaning, and yeah, uh, yeah. and how yeah. we, how we enjoy this incredible gift of life that we have, uh, is for me isn't found in any particular religion. I, I do love every mystic strain and every religion and that's uh-huh. where i get a lot of uh, inspiration and strength but yeah interesting uh, maybe at a different time it'll be interesting to talk about uh, the tradition of my people and yes how yes. they they talk yeah go ahead do you want well, to, to say be something? honest i think that's what kind of blew the door open for me like forget what the doctor has to say forget what my old spiritual tradition said you know here's a holy anointing oil that's obviously made from cannabis it was obviously used by you know multiple faiths and church fathers and the Scythians and other groups long gone. I mean, uh-huh. You, may, you, may, you make me want to want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you should check it out. <laughs> Get the recipe, see if you can make it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, cannabis and other substances have been part of our culture. You know, if I think of Terrence McKenna's stoned ape theory that, you know, that psilocybin mushrooms may be what got us out of the trees, onto the savanna and beyond, you know, that may have caused that wow. jump in brain. Is that his theory? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, you probably can't really call it a theory, but uh, hypothesis. Hypothesis, I think is what yeah. Decided. yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. It is, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so here we are. Um, so, so then did you go back to that original company or did you just keep using that same oil? Well, the truth is, I was I was put off by by the cost, and I think it's worth it for for most people. But you know, I had stopped working, and um, the cost can be you know approaches ten thousand dollars. So, 
I had some friends who knew what I was up against, and uh, we thought we would just try to make it ourselves. Nice. So, so we, uh, you know, we got a rice cooker and we reviewed some Rick Simpson videos and kind of had an afternoon party, and we just made it. Nice. And uh, and but we only made a couple weeks worth. <laughs> and the you know the treatment protocol is really a couple of months, and depending how you do it, maybe three months. So you know you. You start with a grain of rice size and, and just go up slowly until you're, you know, until you, you've gotten, yeah, I don't remember the details off the top of my head, but I was trying to get um, about 700 milligrams of THC on board a day eventually. Now, wow. average person will enjoy, uh, you know, a nice buzz from five milligrams. Yeah, or so 10 milligrams, yeah. Was, or actually, maybe I was doing more 600, so like... I mean, it is a phenomenal amount, at least, uh, at least, you know, even when I was scaling up, you know, if someone came to my house and I had left a little bit of the cannabis oil on a spoon and they touched it, I mean, just touching it would affect them. I mean, it was really powerful stuff. So what did it do to you? What was the impact to you? Um, it put me up. It put me up. And, uh, and so there are actually three iterations of me trying to use the cannabis successfully. And I learned a lot, um, in, in the first three tries. I mean, the first one was with the starter dose that I got from Constance Therapeutics and, and it was great. I had some interesting experiences and, and then, you know, I let my doctor, I deferred to my doctor and stopped. Second time I tried, uh, with my friends, with the marijuana that we were able to get locally sourced and made our own with, you know, organic alcohol in the rice cooker, a la Rick Simpson, uh, but I wasn't prepared for um, kind of the psychosocial aspects of it. So my friends who cared about me really were blown away by how stoned I was. And, um, and it was very difficult for me to, to take care of myself. You know, my, my girlfriend was far away and she was freaking out that I wasn't answering the phone for a couple of days. Uh, mm -hmm. And so after a couple of weeks of the second try, I just stopped because I hadn't set up like a whole team to help me through the cancer. And that, so that was a, a big eye-opener because as I was scaling up, it really knocked me out. So when you say, is, uh, I just want to understand, is, 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 sure. if I'm dividing into, there's two types of high, right? Mm -hmm. There is, uh, your mind is super racy, you know, I would say sativa strains, you know, usually mm -hmm. make you super racy mind. The, the high is not in the body. You literally out of your body you're you're just like in la la land but then there's high, uh, you know i call it the indica high which is um you know it just puts you in your body but if you do too much it's just like you become so sedated uh, that is less energy that you just literally can't move so it's not like you're out of your body but it's almost like you're 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 rooted so much the body high is so high that you you just can't function and that you right. know would you would you say it was more the latter than the former or a mixture of both? I would say I was taking so much, it was difficult to distinguish between the two. I mean, it was like rocket fuel. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, there was the central booster of THC. Yeah. And then there was the CBD side boosters. I mean, I was going out. And I think it really overtook me before I could even enjoy it per se. So, you know, I might take it and turn on a movie, have a few few laughs, and then just, boom, I would be out. And out and unpleasant, I, like, oh, my God, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going to go through the white tunnel here or just drifting out, sleeping out of it. 
do you see my my so I, I guess I'll ask this let's say you wanted to go to the bathroom um right did you know you wanted to go to the bathroom and you know you just didn't have the energy to literally make yourself go or was there like you know c- complete like oh a thought I'm gonna go to the bathroom and then you were just like out of it for a nut like you know just basically zoning out in remote planets for two hours uh, hold on I'm losing you um I'm asking this because I hadn't really okay oh I lost you so you're gonna have to repeat what you said okay uh, it's funny you ask about going to the bathroom I remember when I was really going up in dose. I actually had to crawl to the bathroom. Okay. I could not walk. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's the the level of dose I was going for, and I did laugh and I did enjoy myself, uh, but it was it was debilitating. Okay. Uh, and that was part of the healing. I mean, to really rest that deeply. Yeah. And, um, and it 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 was it was not something that I could do casually. I had heard of some people who. Who did it um, and were able to work? Um, I may have just pushed it much harder so that I couldn't. I mean, I was really out for about a month of the two months I was doing it. I was uh, sleeping <gasps> maybe uh, you know 16 hours a day. Wow, wow. Um, and then probably not. Um, I couldn't have an analytical conversation for another four hours after I woke up. Wow, wow. And then, you know, four hours of recovery until you do it again type of thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, there there was some nuance. So after I, you know, I had the, the second attempt, it kind of freaked out all my friends and family. Uh, they just didn't want to see me in that state. So I put the whole project on pause uh, and then saw my physician and we in San Francisco and we, you know, she set up, um, uh, yeah, another treatment as backup, but I wanted to do the marijuana first to see how it would affect me, to see how it would affect the tumor and what it would do and keep the chemo as, as a backup. Yeah. So, uh, when I went to do the, the entire treatment again, I, I didn't use, um, my friend's cannabis. Uh, I tried to procure some uh, some cannabis through another source. Um, and there's some irony about the cannabis industry right now. So to get a flower extract um, of, that Rick Simpson described describes commercially is you know anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, but I had a friend who was able to get me what he called Rick Simpson oil. Uh, for just $2,000. And I thought, wow, that's great. Let's do it. And uh, so my friend was able to get it for me. And when we got it, it was a little bit like what Rick Simpson described. But um, but I had it uh, just because I wanted to know. I sent it to a lab to be sure. And it had all the THC, but it didn't have the CBD and it didn't have any of the terpenes. Now, all of them have been described in the literature as having anti-cancer effects. So I was a little, um, I'm just perturbed. You know, my friend had a big heart and was helping me get this. And the people he got it from were awesome people, yeah. like incredibly good people. But it didn't have what I wanted. Yeah. And uh, so I was, yeah, I was put off. So then I, I said, okay, well, I need some CBD. So I, we started feeling around for some people who could help me just get maybe a straight CBD. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to get somebody who said they could get CBD for me very inexpensive. So we got that. And to be sure, I sent it to a laboratory. 
and there was zero CBD in it. No, really? <laughs> so there was CBDA, uh, which is, you know, it could be um, cooked off. To CBD, right? yeah. It's acetylated. It doesn't have the same effect in the body. It doesn't create that body high. But if it were cooked or baked into something, that, that, um, the temperature um, that CO2 group would come off, and then it would be valuable for me. So, so it was a mixed thing. It also didn't have any terpenes. Now, I had spoken to this gentleman who is just a very spiritual guy, right livelihood, impeccable with other areas of his business. But this was a side business of his, and he did not know what he was doing. He sent me documents that uh, said it was half the, or twice the strength that it was, uh, or that even he thought it was, and the volume was different, and it was just you know a, a mason jar full of crud, not what he described sending. So uh, it was hard to reconcile this very ethical person um, who just didn't know what he was doing. So and, uh, yeah, I do, I do want to say a side note because you sort of answered a question that I had before and didn't ask. It's like in you know in the um, you know there's there, there's the commercial medical you know arena in you know that we're trying to legalize it so that you know they can do it right because because the pharmaceutical industry you know it, if they would do it right if doctors were free to explore it scientists were free to explore it we would have products that are very accurate you would know you would know exactly what you you know you can go to the you can go to the pharmacy and you get exactly what you want and you know you're getting what you want and then it's just a matter of price right but yeah. here um you know my question before that i didn't ask was like oh now that we've privatized essentially the entire marijuana industry Anybody can create whatever they want. They can get the license. Even now in California, starting this year, anybody can make a product and sell it. So in theory, somebody can say, hey, I'm going to start a company for cancer patients. I'm going to make a whole bunch of Rick Simpson um, oil. And, mm -hmm. you know, you were saying that the, the first company you were dealing with sort of does that, right? And it, it was just a matter of price. But it sounds right. like if you're trying to cut the price, now you're starting to get into the, to the rough, patches of like oh I this guy does the this wild west of the cannabis exactly industry. and you're, you're yeah. not really sure what you you know do i really need those the, you know the impact of the turpines too or maybe not or right. you know yeah. it's, it's like it starts being a you know one big question mark yeah. so ironic that i want you know i wanted the all i wanted the whole plant extract i wanted everything the terpenes and uh, the cbds and the thc and ironically, I could purchase them separately cheaper than I can buy the whole thing. That's just yeah. the way the industry has set itself up. I mean, I guess the way they, you know, that you can get the keef off the leaves, um, you know, they, they like to separate it and sell it to the people who are making the vape pens. That's where I guess the money is. So people would do these chemical separations. It was still very, very crude, not a, you know, elegant pharmaceutical product. Doesn't bother me. Uh, but... Uh, but to get what I needed, I, I could buy them cheaper separately. It's a very strange thing. So it could get them um, semi-pure and separated. And, of course, they use uh, solvents that you know, are less than optimal, um, and there are no terpenes. So in the end, I ended up not using the, um, the quote-unquote CBD product that I bought. I went to the local uh, cannabis shop and bought uh, a vape pen that was almost exclusively CBD. Okay. So my program then was to do a massive THC at night, sleep through it all day when I'd wake up, 
I would vape with CBD, which the CBD would actually bump off some of the um, THC from the receptors and, and give me a little bit more clarity in the day. Mm-hmm. And then I would have more of a um, nice feeling in my body and a good um, get the effects of the CBD on the cancer during the day. And then again at night, hit the THC hard. So I wondered if, um, you know, for me, you know, gaming my pharmacological program, uh, I felt like I was getting the best of both worlds by separating them. Oh, uh, interesting. In that way. Interesting. So because if you take of, them together, in a sense, you're taking two things that are counteract, uh, you know, can, a little can, bit. you know, can, yeah. 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 I mean, just last night so, I smoked a, a super, super high sativa. Uh, uh-huh. And my mind was racing. I was smoking what my wife is smoking and, you know, I have a whole methodology um, I'm not going to go into right now. But the idea is the couple should never smoke the same thing because her, uh, the polarization <laughs> of her consciousness is different than mine. Um, I'm a mental head. She's a, what I call a busybody. But, um, you know, she loves the sativas because it takes her to her mind. Usually she's so in her body. I'm mm-hmm. always in my mind. So she's when a I, yoga instructor, right? She is a yoga instructor, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I smoke the same thing. My mind, I just want to be on the same wavelength. But the truth is I'm not because then my mind was racing so much and I wasn't in my body. So I was like, okay, I'm going to smoke a little bit of pure CBD, which is obviously sativa because it's extremely hard to get pure CBD that's indica. And uh, boom, instantly it took me down to the body. And I had mm-hmm. a very pleasant time. I was able to sleep. Otherwise, I'm, I have insomnia. So, you know, there's obviously a direct you know, counteract type of impact that's happening. And I think you sort of uh, uh, did a really good formula of sort of like a blessing in disguise, separating the two. You're forced to separate the two and you actually, you know, maybe if you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be, you know, even functional for those four hours, right? (laughs) Right, Right. yeah. So, yeah, in the end, in the end it worked out well and it really also gave me appreciation for the different um, components of the plant. So two months, you use that thing, Mm-hmm. What happens now? Like, how do you monitor your progress? Do you know during this, these two months that you're actually making progress or you're yes. just sort of blindly doing it and then going to test? Yeah, what? great question. Well, for me, the, there were a couple a couple things I could look at. I had some, um, you know, swollen lymph nodes, uh, uh, subclavicular lymph that I could feel and they were pretty swollen going into it. So I could just feel my neck and get kind of an idea of what was happening for me. And then, of course, at the tip of my tongue and my mouth, I could see what was happening. So if it was growing, well, that would be, okay, time to stop, see what the medical system has for me right now. Um, But it began to shrink. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I I could feel it after just a couple, probably three weeks, I'd say it was, it was, it was really pronounced. And then by the fourth week, um, you know, I had agreed to go to to do the rituximab or the the other treatment with my doctor up north, but the tumor was gone. Wow! 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 And uh, and I had actually had the tumor for many years. I didn't know it, but there's a small divot in the hard palate of my mouth, and that became apparent. So not only was it smooth where the tumor was, there was actually a divot so I could feel wow. into the bone where like the where it was been. yeah yeah so it ate the bone really yeah yeah wow. which was really scary when I was first diagnosed I bet. I was like, is it in my brain coming going down into my mouth or is it going in my mouth going up into my brain you can imagine yeah what's the conclusion scary. by the way well 
Pardon me? What, what's the conclusion on that question? Now I'm interested. Uh, well, it was in the brain. It was in the mouth going north. <laughs> in the mouth going north. Okay, okay good. <laughs> and, and then eventually it just popped going south, too. So right. I got, 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 a, you know, got the awareness of it. But now it's, it's completely gone, and I can, you know, I, I'm, I'm still, you know, knock on wood, I'm, I'm feeling that divot in the roof of my mouth. And it's it, it's such a nice confirmation every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so describe the feeling. You're you're two months into it. No, you're you're like uh, five weeks into it, sort of, and it's gone. You st- you yeah. still did it for another three weeks, probably in a, a, a lesser dosage. Sounds like yes. Well, I it, I gave myself um, at least two weeks to come off it. Okay. Uh, because I obviously. You know, the body, I think we call it tachyphylaxis in school. I mean, the body gets used to that level of cannabis. There's many ways to get rid of it, you know, through the liver and the body just acclimates. Uh, so I was, you know, I, instead of just having, you know, six hours of, of, you know, awakeness, I was getting more on towards 12. So I was, you know, nice. I was adjusting to it. Uh, and I knew it would be a little bumpy coming off that level of, of cannabis. Uh, so I began to scale down. Um, you know, once I had done the approaching that two months, I started to come, come down just a little bit, 5% a day or 5% every few days. Um, and that kind of became, um, so I was, see, I started October 17th, November. Um, and then I, I wanted to end by, by, Christmas. Uh, solstice. Yeah, solstice. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to end by solstice and I gave myself as a fudge factor till Christmas. So I could say, okay, I'm done by Christmas. For sure. <laughs> But solstice uh, was just a good, you know, good target, and I ended up taking till Christmas, <laughs> and stopped. But even then, it was it was rough. It was not an easy ride. I felt as if that last week, I felt as if I'd had a pot of coffee every day. I mean, I was just amped. Right, because you, know? you were not used to being so. Yeah, yeah. The body's just yeah. produced whatever yeah. it produced. Right. Rocketed up and then rocketed down. Wow. And, it's, uh, so it was quite. It was quite a bit. And so bit. you you went to the medical community to do. I'm assuming to do the official testing. You didn't satisfy with just feeling the divot in your in your mouth, right? Right. Well, they what they've done is just um, so far. They've in terms of monitoring is just uh, check with blood work. Because you can't um, you can't do a biopsy because there's no tumor. There's no tumor anymore. Yeah. Right. So I mean, they. So I had you know my my regular primary and my uh, oncologist at UCSF confirmed that the tumor's gone. And uh, so now they're just gonna. They want to just watch me, you know, and they'll take blood samples and I guess they can check to see if if those um, B cells have that CD20 marker on them and they can tell. And intuitively, do you feel like do you get up in the morning and say, "I'm healthy," or do you get up in the morning and it's like, "Oh." Is it, is, is it bad? Like, do you still check with the tip of your, what's your overall psychological, you know, yeah. level of comfort that you've healed this and, and it's, it's, it's behind you? Well, this is a longer question than I think you might've thought you were asking. Uh, I'm really grateful. I, the tumor has gone. And also, um, I'd say I have, um, I really have a, a feeling of strength knowing that I can use a natural product to heal myself. Like uh-huh. I don't have to be dependent on the medical system. Just knowing I have as a backup that worked for me, I know how to do it. Uh, and that is just an incredible, um, feeling of independence and strength, uh, for me personally. So, 
that I'm very grateful for. And yes, I do believe I've beat this cancer. Um, uh, cancer, you know, they talk about success in terms of five-year blocks. So I don't know how I'm going to view it, you know, but I know that I have this ace in my back pocket, so to speak, uh-huh. uh, to use if it does come back. So I feel good about that. One thing, a, a nuance, you know, I have had um, some chronic neck pain from being a pharmacist. You know, we're always counting pills with the phone and other things. So I've got this crazy neck pain, and it's really, it's been bothering me for a decade. Um, and while I was on cancer treatment, you know, I just didn't experience it at all. Um, I think the anti-inflammatory effects and the, the, you know, the pain effects, you know, books will be written about how cannabis helps pain. I mean, it's so complicated and so amazing. The link of pain and inflammation is incredible. And uh, so I'll look forward to reading those books when they're written years from now. Um, but I, I really experienced a, a relief of pain that I was, was very grateful for. And I think the month after I stopped, my January, partly because of a cold snap and maybe I danced a little too much on New Year's, but my neck just locked up. And I think that, you know, I was still um, withdrawing from the benefits of the cannabis plant. Mm-hmm. And so my neck just really locked up and, um, I hadn't expected that. I hadn't anticipated that at all. And, uh, so finding different ways to deal with my pain and, and find like, I have to think, what is my, I'm glad to be alive. Now, what is my relationship with cannabis going to be now? Do I want to go back to working as a pharmacist? Do I want to find something completely else to do? You know, uh, I think you need to write a book about it. (laughs) (laughs) You you have, you have the white coat, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, anyway, I, I, yeah. y- no, y- you're, I, you're, you're smiling and y- your laughter is very, um, uh, it looks very uh, like I've, uh, I've made you feel um, self-conscious. It's like, oh, who am I to write a book type of thing? Or maybe I'm misinterpreting your laughter. But um, I do truly believe that, first of all, you're extremely articulate. Second, you, you have the white coat, so it's going to be an easy sell for the, uh, um, for the agents. And, uh, oh, my God, so many people would want to read it, right? So, I don't know. I, you know, it's the time. Well, thank you for the encouragement, Eris. You're the first person I've talked to about this outside of my family and, and, uh, yeah. and team. So, really, I'll, I'll really, buy it. Really I'll, I'll buy it, right? <laughs> right? If I do it, I'll send you an autographed copy. <laughs> uh, same, same with mine, with, with, with mine. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Right. Yeah, so anyway... Um, Sounds like uh, the neck pain is getting kind of a symbolic, uh, a symbolic um, platform for you to, you know, ponder your life going forward. I, I, w- I want to ask you a question. So, um, I did an extreme physical thing once, and uh, it was interesting for me to see who was still by my side during the time that I did it. It was against all, you know. Everybody was like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" It was uh, I fasted for two weeks, um, water mm. only, and. Uh, um, it, it was an unknown period of time. I didn't know how long it's going to take. There's very specific symptoms that you do to get off of it. I was trying to heal, and I, I did, actually. It helped um, not only depression, but also chronic fatigue. And it was wonderful. It was a very, probably the toughest experience of my life, but I did it, and, you know, it helped. But during the time, there was a serious struggle in the sense of you know, uh, even my wife, she couldn't see me doing it because it was too much for her. And that I actually understood. But even friends, you know, people just couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the extreme, 
you know, oh, there's this guy that we love that is just like out of it. And I wanted to ask you, what was your experience? Um, who was left standing by you yeah. basically saying, okay, this is your decision. I'll support you. And how did you deal with the mounting and, you know, uh, mount, mounting level of not only criticism, but also objection to you doing what you did? Um, right. And, you know, just the, like, that. did you understand what I'm asking? I do. The, the first the, the first two-week trial that I did with the cannabis that my friends and I made together, um, the Rick Simpson oil, uh, most most of my friends were were put off. My family was scared. Kind of had an intervention. Like we're not sure what you're doing. So for the next iteration, um, I think we we just planned it planned it very well. I got a team of my five best buddies, five close friends. Some of them didn't know each other. They're from different communities. Uh-huh. And uh, we had a party on the beach. And I explained to them what I was doing, how long it was going to take. If it didn't work. I had a I had a regular traditional medical treatment plan, um, and I set it up. You know, they agreed. I had one friend come over every day to kind of, in the afternoon, to pull me out of the house, pull me out of the off the sofa. Oh wow! <laughs> We'd go for a Sweet. walk. Yeah, and uh, we would share a meal together. So, um, I mean, this and this this was a big. Um, you know, there was a lot to the to to this treatment that that I did, and if anyone's going to try it, I mean, I recommend you have to set up this team you have to set up a good situation where the family and friends know what's going on and for me you know even if someone missed a day or two you know just to have a friend come over and hang out uh and share a meal was a really good thing and yeah. and they you know uh, we also set up um there's a uh a something called a cancer caring bridge i think it's called caring bridge it's a um, an online system where people undergoing cancer treatment can, or any, any treatment where they're kind of out of, out of, out of their normal ability to function can have people sign up to, to do a task, you know, drive them to the doctors, do this kind of thing. So with that team of, of five core people and my, uh, my folks kind of being backup, if, if something fell through the cracks, uh, I had this group of people checking up on me and they could use that bridge to, uh, to, to talk to each other. Like, wow, Janai was really out of it today. Next guy. Yeah. Janai was really, really. Right. Right. Yeah. But they could say, oh yeah, he's in good spirits. He ate, you know, we did this, we did that. So it was kind of neat to see that for a while. Of course it was a little complicated. So after maybe a month that fell away. Um, and then a couple people kind of just worked by phone to help me out. But, uh, but yeah, it was a bigger deal than I thought it would be. Uh, You know, I just thought I'll just do this on my own and, um, it's not a do it on your own kind of thing from my perspective. And I'm really grateful to have that, those guys and gals help me out. And, you know, my sweetheart kind of, um, quarterback the whole thing. So Uh Uh I was really, really lucky, but it was not easy for her either. You know, so a couple months, you know, we're not having the normal relationship, you know, we were, Yeah, it was stressful. I mean, I I guess from the moment you were diagnosed, I'm sure it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the same since you were diagnosed. Everything was different, right? So you know, and specifically during those two months, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, there there were some funny things. One thing I want to tell you: you had asked me about uh, how it came on, and it was interesting to me the difference between when I was going up in dose and when I was coming down in dose on the other end. 
So I was going up so fast the first uh, couple weeks of treatment that I didn't, I couldn't really characterize, you know, I didn't have a, an experience of, of laughing a lot and, and having um, visions because it just overtook me so fast. But as I began to uh, decrease in dose, maybe at week week five, week six, um, I actually got to enjoy the cannabis more uh-huh. because as I would I would use it, I wasn't uh, it wasn't overtaking my system. It came on slower, and I actually got to really enjoy the laughter and uh-huh. uh, the body highs and that sort of thing. I felt them much more as I was going down. Of course. There was some discomfort when I would wake up uh, feeling a little agitated and that kind of thing. But um, but then when I would use it, I, I did get a really nice appreciation for what the plant can do. Right. On the, interesting. So um, you said something. I just want to tie back with um, the whole concept of sativa versus indica. And um, it's something I'm trying to figure out. Um, and I have, you know, my own theory in terms of my own methodology of what's the difference between the two beyond, you know, you go to the store and they tell, oh, sativa is a head high, indica is a body high. Well, what, what does that exactly mean, right? So you have a pure THC sativa, a pure THC indica, and you smoke one, you smoke the other, very different high, obviously. Um, but you said that Rick Simpson said that the, the, the oil needs to be sativa more than 20% THC. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that the extract that you got was sativa? Do you think it mattered? Do you, what do you think is 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 the, is the difference? I, I'm just I'm not quite sure on. You know, I think I may have misspoke. I think Rick Simpson wanted an indica. I mean, he wanted people to really feel the body high, but it's he still wanted twenty percent THC in there. Yeah. Um, that's my recollection. Um, because in general, the experience that you're describing um especially the fatigue means that it there was definitely indica in it mm. if not pure indica um because sativa i mean it's just i mean the high is so different it's such an extreme amount of thc with sativa mm-hmm. would have mm-hmm. literally taken you out of your body in the mm-hmm. sense of you know just like psychedelic essentially um, yes. And you know, going through the white tunnel type of thing. You know what I mean? Like you're you're so out right. of it that is there's literally like it's not that you would be able you you wouldn't be able to to drag yourself to the bathroom. You wouldn't be able to maintain uh, an awareness that there is a bathroom and that your body is you know needing to go to the bathroom. You know, and even if you did maintain that awareness, it would be so brief, and then you would just be gone again. I, I don't know. I mean, that's my experience. Um, dealing with it well, for a while. Well, similar so. to that. Also, I don't know. If, I mean, I was eating it, of course. Yeah. Right, not smoking it, except the CBD I was smoking. Um, for me, one of you know, as the delta nine tetrahydrocannabidiol uh, is further metabolized in the liver to eleven hydroxy delta nine THC. And that's actually more powerful. So for for, for the cancer, so for e- eating it was may have provided a different uh, right. mental that's experience. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I think a lot of a lot of people. It, and you know, just from what I've read, I mean, I, I like the indica has the fat leaves. You know, after that, I don't think we. I don't know if we can. It's you know, this, there are so many strains. I think yeah. it's more and more difficult to really characterize it based on. 
on indica or sativa. Yeah. It's kind of unless you unless you have a methodology of what the structure of consciousness is, right? Because I think mm. I think part of the problem is that we don't understand the mind. We understand the brain. We know how the brain works, but we have no idea how the mind works as a collective, mm. as a society. Right. And we have no, no idea what consciousness is, right? Well, I'm fascinated. Is consciousness non-local, you know? And the the brain is just a transmitter. Right. That's that's fascinating yeah. topic. Yeah, it is. It is really fascinating. So anyway, tying this up, but um, this was, uh, you know, um, uh, enlightening to say the least. I um, I wrote a few things down I wanted to to, to ask you about uh, during the conversation before we wrap up. You said that there's about 500 chemicals or so. You know, of course, I heard the myth that there's 420 chemicals in cannabis, and I know that's not true, <laughs> but it sounds still like there's hundreds. And I wanted to ask you, is this normal or is cannabis unique that way? Mm. That there's so well, many chemicals and so many chemicals that are yeah. so impactful uh, yeah. medicinally. Right. You know, plants are so complex. You know, they have their own types of immune systems. They have uh, their own type of consciousness. You know, they're measuring, you know, and how do they fight off uh, how do they fight off fungus and other, other other things? I mean, they have an amazing, they actually call it pharmacognosy. I mean, there's a whole type of pharmacology devoted to plants. Um, yeah, I think, is cannabis special? Yes. Are other plants, do they have that level of complexity? Maybe. I suspect they do. Yeah. I suspect they do. It's not totally my field, but I, I have an interest in it, and I, yeah. Yeah. I think so. You know, I have a few... You know, I have some wonderful plants uh, growing, you know, within iView right now um, that I just revere. I think they're real gifts to humanity. Right, just plants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're talking about marijuana plants. Uh, actually, not that, not that one, okay. but other similar plants. Yeah, you know, yeah. Types of plants. I hear you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, feel free to take the fifth on that one, considering you might go back to pharmacology, but... Uh, um, do you think you're going to continue to enjoy marijuana um, recreationally, not medicinally, if you were in a place where it was legally and your job would allow it? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And I've wondered, um, I've actually spoke to some physicians who use cannabis and, and uh, other people who have used it to treat cancer. And they do talk about the importance of using it uh, to stave off, like as an anti- anti-tumor, anti-carcinogen effect. Um, and so I wondered, you know, I've, I've thought, this is what I'm telling myself right now, maybe quarterly, I'll go somewhere outside the state of California. <laughs> Come to Washington, my friend. Right, right. And uh, do like a three-day fast and then just have a day of just eating marijuana cookies uh. and dancing. <laughs> like, that will be like my quarterly health you know, adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, something involving, you know, a four day fast, which I think is, is uh, really good for cleaning out the body and, you know, beating cancer and then, you know, just taking it home with the, with what, what the power of cannabis can do against cancer. Yeah. So I, I like doing it maybe with the four seasons. It could just be a good, uh, holistic way for me to keep this lymphoma at bay and, it should be fun too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm not. Uh, yeah, I have. These are. It's an important question. I mean, unfortunately, 
it's still a question I have to answer. You know, I would like, you know, if more than half the states in the United States right now have made medical marijuana legal. So what is it going to take for the state senators and the state congressmen to do it? They have the mandate from their people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's already been done. So, so what's the holdup? Who are they beholden to? Why won't they do it? I mean, I, I almost think with respect to cannabis and also, um, other medicines recently that are plant-based or, or, or not traditional medicine have been shown to, to affect depression, uh, treatment-resistant depression. I mean, why those aren't legal right now is, you know, Beyond, I have to yeah. say borderline criminal. What is the problem? Yeah. To, you know, fortunately, research is going on all over the world and, and showing that these things are valuable. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is within the confines of, of the show, but you know, there's a lot of work with um, ketamine, MDMA, and psilocybin right now. And, uh, you know, the sooner those things become uh, legal and, and uh, at least regulated and available to the medical community, the better. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Those are some of the biggest challenges we have are, are pain and depression as a culture. Why? Well, that's another show topic. Right, right. The fact that they are and we don't have adequate treatment for it uh, commercially Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head, right? I mean, there's a whole industry that makes a lot of money from pharmaceutical drugs, um, and um, yes, they can still use marijuana, but you know, people can grow marijuana at home, and the more time mm-hmm. will pass, the more uh, people will be proficient as doing this at home. The more recipes would you know would enhance. So I think it's just a matter of it's very hard, it's going to be very hard to keep. Um, to keep the profit within contained within the pharmaceutical industry for something that is so easy. It's not so easy, but it's so accessible, shall we say, in terms of... I mean, you just see what happens. Come here. You're, you're more than invited, by the way, to come visit me here in Washington State if you want to few days off seriously come for a weekend i would love that would yeah love that. yeah cons- cons- consider this an official invitation and uh we'll talk more about what i do i'll, I'll share some of the stuff i do but um the, you know look at what's happening here in in, in washington we, we we had marijuana legal for about two years now and the level of um just ingenious creation that is happening. I mean, you in California, it's been, what, a couple of months, but here it's a couple of years. And I mean, people are just, people are really into it, are going to it. And they're not constrained by Mm -hmm. the limitations of pharmaceutical slash, uh, uh, you know, um, what do you call it? It's like regulatory bodies. It's just legal. So they're just doing whatever they want. I admit, I am really jealous of how beautiful some of these cannabis dispensaries are. You know, I mean, I've worked in some crazy pharmacies where, you know, it's 10 hours straight, phones ringing and uh, just unpleasant fluorescent lights, really horrible working conditions. I mean, it's a, it's a medical sweatshop. And then my local dispensary just has this beautiful waterfall with LED lights and you walk in and everyone's smiling and there's 10 employees as opposed to, you know, one crazy pharmacist pulling his hair out. It's, ah, I am so jealous, but it's good medicine and 
you know, God bless the people who have taken the risks to make that available. Yeah, I think that, you know, and I'm, I'm talking as somebody who grew up in a social democrat country, Israel, right? Uh, that's, that's the funny thing, because Republicans love Israel so much, and it, Israel is a social democrat country, right? Mm. I mean, mm. it costs $3,000 a year to, to, to do your master's. I mean, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, everything's paid for. Uh, health is paid for. But anyway, uh, not to go there, there's... Um, there's this, you know, just reflecting on what's happening here. I think capitalism is amazing when it comes to a budding industry because it really allows, because of the competition, everybody is just like busting their asses in order to create, you know, create around this topic. Um, if you if you would if you would go and write a book, you're creating something, right? You're contributing to the to the industry, and people go and say, "Oh, we want to make the best buds. We want to make the best." you know, flowers. We want to make the best oil. But once an industry has matured, then capitalism start working against it because mm -hmm. then, uh, oh, now there's just fights uh, on who gets the market share and the healthy competition is turning into competition yeah. on the back of the consumer. And I think the pharmaceutical company has long reached that, reached that point, uh, you know, point in case, case in point, you know, we were talking about Ventolin and the albuterol in the beginning of the conversation. And yeah. so I think we need to enjoy uh, what, the, what the, you know, what the capitalism can do for the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even... You well, know, you know, and, and, you know, to my, to my own story, trying to procure, you know, a blend of THC, CBD and, and terpenes, you know, with, with members, you know, having that entrepreneurial, uh, fever, yeah. but not being able to deliver, uh, because they don't have the chemical background or, or the tools to do it. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. We need some regulation and we need some, uh, freedom. And this, this, this effect, this is, you know, even in like cryptocurrency or, alternative health, all of these things, you know, there's, there's some, some play where we need yeah. to allow discovery. Uh, but, but we need to watch out for, you know, when we're, when we're beyond the edge of our knowledge to the extent where it could hurt someone, yeah. this is, this is the balance we have to strike. Yeah. Healthy, healthy, um, uh, modesty, um, a healthy level of, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, um, I ran out of questions. Um, I did have one last question about mushrooms because you mentioned mushrooms at the beginning that you've, you've done some. And I was wondering, how did you see, because, you know, I'm uh, familiar with mushrooms and enjoyed them as a consciousness expanding catalyst, right? I mean, you go through a particular experience, a particular birth um, consciously. But how do you see mushrooms helping with cancer? Because you mentioned them as, you know... Right, right. So I wasn't referring to psilocybin um, mushrooms in particular. I'm uh, not, not aware how that would help beyond helping people come to grips uh, with the stress of cancer. I think um, there are have been some studies, I think at Johns Hopkins, where they're using psilocybin in cancer patients to, to just help them come to, come to grips with depression mm -hmm. that comes from being afraid of, of dying, that sort of thing. And they have some compelling results. Um, so those, those should be available soon. I went to a conference, the psychedelic conference in 2017 in Oakland and, um, they presented really powerful data. There's nothing like it in psychiatry. So, I mean, they're fast tracking that hopefully. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, hopefully in the U.S. Um, a lot of the, uh, I would encourage anyone to go to um, maps. I, I think it's maps.org. I mean, they have all the videos from that um, conference available. Is it M A map like as in M A P S dot org? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll put it in the notes. Excellent. Okay. Uh, uh, yes, but there are there's a lot of uh, information um, about mushrooms and cancer. Um, Chaga is one. Um, Lion's Mane. There's some others that are worth looking into. Uh, Paul Stamets has done a lot of, a lot of work, and I've been fascinated by his his uh, products. Uh, but start with Chaga if your readers want to check out mushroom yeah. help help for mushrooms. I mean, again, a plant with phenomenal. You know, I mean a kingdom with phenomenal um, pharmacological benefits to mankind, whether it's, you know, cleaning up environmental disasters to having spiritual experiences and everything in between. Yeah. Janai, sounds like, uh, you know, you're describing an experience where you just, you just in Christmas stopped using um, marijuana intensely for your cancer that is now gone. And uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you for this huge achievement. And um, thank you, yeah, I mean, doing it in such a short amount of time and just, you know, going through the experience um, of dealing with all the fears and uh, doubts and, um, you know, choosing a path that was right for you. And uh, that's never easy. And if anything, that teaches you and expands your consciousness on its own as an experience, mm-hmm. let alone with, with marijuana. And uh, so I just want to I, I want to say my hat my hat is off to you, and I, I so appreciate you coming and sharing your story so early after the fact because you're still probably just processing what just what the fuck just happened, right? I mean, what, yeah, you know, it's true. And, you know, so so here I am. Is oh, write a book about it, right? You know, you you need to process what what, what just took place and. Um, I mean, it's huge. So, so I just thank you for the opportunity to talk about it, Eris. I'm really grateful. It's yeah, been great talking, spending this hour. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for uh, for for doing it, and and I, I really hope it's going to be very valuable for other people. Um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you again. Do you have anything else you wanted to share that comes to mind that is uh, that we've left off? Well, just that um, I'd encourage people to to look into it. The answers are a few clicks away. Um, didn't get into too many chemical specifics, but uh, but there's enough information out there to go for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if people do, I really want to encourage them to build a team of friends and family to help them through it. And I, I wish everyone good health and good luck. Yeah, and I wish you that you would stay cancer-free for the rest of your life. And uh, it sounds like you, you look radiant. You look uh, on Skype, you look uh, happy and you look, uh, you know, you just look happy, radiant. Well, you know, so, it's, yeah. it's been great discussing it. It really, it's actually really landing what just happened. Uh-huh. Uh, it's nice to talk about. It. I really haven't talked about it beyond friends and family yet. So, yeah. And, you really know, now, now the real journey starts because now you have to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life because you're not the same right. person anymore. Right. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Janai, it's been a pleasure. I really hope you'll take me off on my offer to come here and visit me. Um, you I don't will. need to worry about a thing. I'll pick you up from the airport and um, I'll show you around. I'll show you Spokane and we'll go check out a dispensary so you can kind of see what's happening <laughs> and uh, we'll just chat. Yeah. Sounds so. lovely, Eris. All right. Thank you so much again. And um, 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this uh, show, Consciously High, is brought to you by Radio Consciousness. I'm your host, Ovadia Batat, uh, from Spokane, Washington, wishing you um, the best. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Decoding Cannabis. This interview with Janai was recording during the summer of 2018. Decoding Cannabis is brought to you by Consciousness Research Institute in Spokane, Washington. To learn more, go to creorg.institute. That's C-R-I-O-R-G dot institute. Our Facebook page is called How Marijuana Works, and you can tag us on Facebook by using at how420works. For some reason, Facebook does not allow the word marijuana or cannabis in its usernames. The music for this podcast was recorded and created by Andy Rumsey. To hear more, go to andyrumsey.com or search for Andy's music at iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, or Spotify. From Spokane, Washington, this is Ares Batat wishing you the best. Smoke responsibly. Mm-hmm.